Hi, and welcome back to Season 2 of the Big Book of New Testament Questions and Answers podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Kramer. If you're looking for a podcast that will answer deep-rooted questions about the Bible or provide insightful takeaways, you're in the right place. The questions in this podcast were collected by Dr. Michael Eschelbach from college students in his New Testament introduction class at Concordia University in Chicago. Dr. Eschelbach answered each question and formulated them into a book called The Big Book of New Testament Questions and Answers, which is available at cph.org. In this second season, we'll be talking through questions in the Book of Romans, which is a letter written by the Apostle Paul. If you're ready, let's dive into Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his Son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Chapter 1, verse 5. The question is, what exactly is the obedience of faith? Does this mean we need to obey the law in order to have faith? The answer is, obedience and faith are inseparable, like two sides of the same coin. Faith always produces obedience, and obedience can only flow from faith. The Word of God works faith in us, but that faith is active, like the branch attached to the vine. Romans 10, 17 and John 15, verses 1 through 7. The Word of God regenerates the soul in the image of Christ and inspires that soul to love others as it has been loved by God in Christ, as recorded in Ezekiel 36 and 1 John 4. The obedience that flows from faith eagerly obeys the Ten Commandments and all that love of neighbor would require. Romans 13 verses 8 through 10. See also question and answer at Romans 2 verse 6. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The question is, why does it say the gospel is first for the Jews, then for the Greeks? Does this imply that Greeks are inferior? The answer is, Paul is not implying that Greeks are inferior. On the contrary, a big part of Paul's conversion included realizing that God had always loved the Gentiles, Greeks, too, and that they were to be held in high esteem. Galatians 2 verses 7 through 8 and Luke 4 verses 24 through 27. Speaking the gospel to the Jews first makes sense because they've had the prophetic scriptures and have been waiting for God to fulfill his promises to their forefathers. Once a Jewish person knew that God had fulfilled all his promises in Jesus Christ, that person would already be equipped on the basis of knowledge of the Old Testament to share with others what God had done in Christ. See Acts chapters 1 and 2 and Romans chapter 3. While Jesus ministered to Jew and Gentile alike, during his earthly ministry, he commanded his disciples to go only to the children of Israel. Matthew 10, verses 5 through 6. Romans chapter 1, verse 17. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The question is, what is meant by from faith for faith? The answer is, there's plenty of debate about this question because the Greek prepositions translated as from and for have such a wide range of meaning. The first step in approaching the question is to be clear about the context. Paul just wrote that the gospel is the power of God 
which is because in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. The question then is about how the righteousness of God is revealed or how it became evident. Second, in what way was the righteousness of God revealed from faith? We might suggest that the righteousness of God was revealed from the faith of God's Son, who willingly submitted himself to the will of the Father and thus provided his righteousness in exchange for our guilt. See Hebrews chapters 2 and 3 and 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Remember how faith and obedience are related. Romans 1 verse 5. We might add that the righteousness of God was revealed from the faith of those who believe these promises, Abraham being the chief example. See Romans chapter 4 and Hebrews chapters 11 and 12. Third, the righteousness of God in Christ is what produces faith and is the object of faith, hence the phrase, for faith. The righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel, which reports the faith of the Son of God and of those who trusted the promises regarding him. This report of the faith of those who proceed generates the faith of those who follow. Romans 10 verse 17. Romans chapter 1 verse 28. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. The question is, is God giving up on these people? If God allows sin to take its course as a punishment, then how do we determine whether God is allowing judgment on those who believe? The answer is, when people insist on opposing God with sufficient tenacity, God often gives them what they demand for three reasons. First, God gives people over to their own ways so they might learn from the consequences of those ways to repent, exemplified in the life and prophecy of Jonah. See also Leviticus 26 verses 1 through 45 and Acts 17 verses 26 through 27. Second, because God is only giving these people over to what they insist upon, there's justice in the consequences of destruction that they bring upon themselves, 2 Peter 2 verses 12 through 22. Third, those who contradict God's design, love, and intervention serve as a witness to the truth and a warning to everyone else. See Proverbs chapter 7, Matthew chapter 11, John chapter 12, and 1 Timothy chapter 5. Would we say that God is allowing judgment or executing judgment? God is patient and merciful, leaving us to learn from the consequences of our mistakes rather than punishing us according to our folly. This is a function of both patience and mercy. When God gives a person over to a stubborn insistence on rebellion and contradiction, the hope is still that such a person would realize, by consequence, that his ways are a mistake. See Proverbs chapters 14 and 16 and Romans chapter 6. God has provided a remedy for all our mistakes by the redemption accomplished in Christ, by regenerating our soul, by the everlasting life conveyed in his word, and by the promised new creation. All that God does, from first to last, is designed to bring everyone into the realization of His goodness and providence and to keep us from destroying our own life and future. See Ezekiel chapter 18, Matthew chapter 23, and Revelation chapters 3, 9, and 16. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Big Book of New Testament Questions and Answers podcast. Next week, we'll continue our discussion on Romans, starting with chapter 2. In the meantime, check out more Romans resources at cph.org.